don't blame me, blame Andy. He's the one who chose it. I love this church. Don't you love the fact that of all the people who've been on the stage this morning, there is only 72 years between the youngest and the oldest. I think that's wonderful that young and old, male and female, we combine together to praise God and to bring his word. So this morning we have come to this lovely message about the Good Shepherd. It's very appropriate to talk of us as sheep and God or Jesus as the Good Shepherd and you'll notice that there are various references in the Old Testament. When Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd, he wasn't bringing anything new. We go back to Psalm 23, we're very familiar with those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Or if we go on to Isaiah, Isaiah talks about us as the sheep and his words were, all we like sheep have gone astray. I want to tell you a story about that and we'll talk about that a little bit later. My late husband, Eric, grew up on a farm just outside Narromine. It was too small to be really uh, productive and eventually his father sold it to the next door neighbour whose name was Bert Morris. He actually sold it to Bert Morris Senior but Eric was friendly with Bert Morris Junior and Eric and Bert maintained their friendship over the years. And when our son Robert was about 14, Eric decided he would take him back to see the old farm and they'd stay with Bert and Eric would get a taste of what farm life was all about. And one afternoon Bert said to Eric and Robert, he said, would you like to help me? He said, there's half a dozen sheep that missed out on being shorn when the shearers were through before and there's a shearer coming back tomorrow so I need to round up these six. They're in the paddock, near the, in the home paddock but they need to go into a special pen so the shearer can shear them tomorrow. Now it was a hot afternoon and you would expect the sheepdogs would round up the sheep but the sheepdogs were on strike. They'd been working hard all day and they were lying in the shade of the trees panting. So it was up to Bert and Eric and Robert to round up these sheep and an extremely difficult job it was. But they were not alone. Sitting on the sidelines was someone watching them. He was a sheepdog called Kenneth. Now, Kenneth was a bit short in the brains department but he was a beautiful dog. He'd come from the pound and... um, Uh, Bert's daughter Elizabeth had begged her father to please buy that dog for her. Well, of course, Bert's a farmer and you don't have dogs lying around the house doing nothing all day. Dogs are working animals and they're always out on the farm. But in this case, he got this sheep dog for Elizabeth. So I was sitting on the sidelines watching the three humans run around and try to collect these sheep And something deep stirred within what passed for his brain. They're sheep. I'm a sheepdog. I should do something. So he glumped into the middle of this mess of, of, of animals and humans all running around. He knocked Robert over. All the sheep then ran over Robert who said, and mum, they've got sharp hooves. And the sheep scattered in all directions. Sheep are as thick as two planks. As another old farmer once said to Eric, and I'm not going to quote him exactly, you'll see why, 
compared with sheep, cows are blooming geniuses. So there's something to be said for comparing us to sheep because unfortunately quite often we are as thick as two short planks when it comes to understanding that Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our good shepherd all the time as has been said already no matter what happens he goes on being our good shepherd and yet we argue and question and complain and we don't always accept it. So there are some things that I want to pick out of this passage and look at this morning. Now the reason, we'll go on to the, because we've got the picture repeated. I know it's not a brilliant picture but I looked at dozens of pictures on the internet of sheep in beautiful green grassy paddocks and I rejected all of them because when we read about sheep in the land of Israel, they are not in green grassy pasture. They are on the sides of hills in the middle of the desert. A lot of Israel is desert. It's hilly desert and it's stony hilly desert. Now when you look at the side of the hill, we don't see anything green growing at all. That's just sand where they're standing and, and, and rock. That's, that's desert. There's a few trees there Um, that growing in the desert but they're not going to do the sheep any good. What is there for the sheep to eat? Well actually the shepherd knows where the food is and I'll tell you how the what food in inverted commas because when we think of sheep in a grassy pasture we don't even see any grass there but because it's so rocky where there are two rocks that are joined together, that are placed together, there's enough dew collects under those rocks to grow one plant of grass and one only, just enough. And this has been going on for thousands of years and so the shepherd can tell um, if there's been already another flock of sheep on the side of that hill or whether there is enough grass for them. So they get one plant of grass and they go along the track and another one and along the the track and another one and that's how the sheep are fed and the trails that they follow are where the stones meet together and where the grass grows and those trails are thousands of years old. And so when we hear about the sheep following the shepherd, that's because the sheep know the shepherd will lead them along the right trails to find the grass And then the water, there are no running streams, don't think of them feeding from a a river or a creek, there aren't any. There are the dry waddy beds where the floods come down when it rains on the, the hills far away and the water rushes along. Then as that dries up it leaves pools or if there, are, there aren't any, then there are very ancient wells. So the shepherd knows where the water is for the sheep as well. It's no wonder that they hear his voice and follow him. But there's something slightly odd in what Jesus says because if you read those words about the sheep being inside the fold and the shepherd calling them and they recognise his voice and they don't recognise anybody else's voice, well if you've got all your sheep in your sheep pen and the shepherd goes in the morning and calls them, well obviously they know his voice and they're going to follow him. Possibly it means 
that every village had a common sheep pen. And while the sheep would normally and the shepherds would stay out on the hills, if you had any sheep that needed special attention, if they were sick or the ewes were about to lamb or there was some other reason that you wanted to give them attention, you might bring down, or they'd missed out on shearing, you might bring them down, a half a dozen of them, and put them in this common pen. And then the next shepherd might have three or four and another shepherd might have three or four. So there'd be a mixture of sheep. And in the morning, each shepherd would go and call his sheep. Now, when we say he called his sheep, it's not like Meredith saying, Tank, Tank, do you want your breakfast? Tank, are you going to go for a walk? The the shepherd didn't call them in Aramaic or whatever language it was. Over the centuries, the millennia even, the shepherds have actually copied the noises the sheep make. And each shepherd talks to his sheep in sheep language. So it isn't that they like a dog learning English and it wouldn't matter, you could speak to a dog in your language entirely different from English and the dog would still know whether it was breakfast or whether it was a walk. It learns to to know, actually I think dogs read your body language, never mind the, the language, but never mind. But in the sheep, case of the sheep in Jesus' day, The shepherd talked their language. Now, all of that introduction brings us to this, the words that Jesus said about the good shepherd and the sheep. Listen to his voice. Jesus talks our language. When God speaks to us, he speaks in language that we understand. And we have to learn to listen to his voice and recognise his voice. Because unfortunately, there are other voices in our head. Sometimes there's the voices of the world and the media. Every time you turn on your television, you'll get a spate of ads. They're not on at the moment, but we seem to have had ads that tell us, you need this, it's good for you, it's your right, you've earned it, you get it. You know the sort of ads that tell us that? So sometimes it's the media with a voice in our head. That's not the voice of God. Sometimes it's our own self telling us something. That's not the voice of God. But there's another voice I want to mention this morning because Jesus talks about a thief and a robber. He talks about somebody climbing up into the sheepfold but not going through the door, climbing up illegally to try to steal the sheep away from the shepherd. And his aim for the sheep is not good. The thief comes to kill and destroy, Jesus said. So we don't want to be listening to any voices that are going to do us harm, that are going to come to kill and destroy. And I just want to mention briefly, I don't want to alarm anybody, but a Christian can invite a demonic voice into their life just because you have accepted Christ into your life and you have the Holy Spirit living within you does not negate the fact that you can have a demon. The demon can't control you. You're safe, your soul is safe with God if you have invited the Holy Spirit into your heart. But the demon will try to get you to obey him and Satan rather than God. And the reasons why we give demons a legal right to enter are many. 
Sometimes it's going down a particular wrong path if you keep on going. For example, people who continually watch pornography, people who are continually angry, who continually bear a grudge, who continually feel worthless and, um, and, and shame. There are things that you can do in your own life that give legal entrance to the demonic. But there are things that can be done to you, children who've been abused, women who've been abused. That also invites entry to the demonic. We're going to talk in a little moment about Jesus' authority. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed by that or depressed. Um, It's not uncommon. It can be dealt with. But recognise the voice of a demon. It can be very loud in your head. It's not God's voice. So we need to recognise the voice of Jesus And having recognised his voice, it's not like the sheep lying down in the sheepfold having a nice sleep and opening one eye and thinking, ah, shepherd's calling me, too bad I'm going to have another half an hour sleep. If we recognise the voice of God, do something, follow him, obey him, do whatever it is he's telling us to do. Don't put it aside. If you really recognise the voice of Jesus, then follow him. The sheep have enough sense to do that. Follow him and obey him. Then Jesus says, he's the good shepherd. We need to recognise that he is good. I'll say again and it's the third time this morning and it doesn't hurt to repeat things. Sometimes we need to hear something said several times before it actually sinks into us. Everything that Jesus does for you is done in love. Everything. Amanda said there are times when we pray and it just seems like we're banging our head on the wall. We're talking to somebody who's not there. There doesn't seem to be a response. Jesus is there. He's listening. Do you know God never forgets any prayer that you pray? I only read that or heard that a few weeks ago and I thought, well, of course, I forget what I pray. And sometimes God answers our prayers further down the the track and we've even forgotten what we asked for in the first place. God never forgets what we ask for. He never forgets what we pray. Things come to us that look very bad. Life can look so bleak. You wonder how ever am I going to get out of this pit that I'm in. It just seems like... There's no way out. I can't find an answer. I can't see the way ahead. I talked about this last Sunday night. The way we find our way ahead, the way to get through life is to recognise and keep repeating, Jesus loves us. We are justified by faith. We do have access to God. We do have peace with God. We do stand in grace. God does love us. Everything that Jesus does for us is done in love. He is the good shepherd. When you get into those difficult situations in life, make those statements out loud. I have a habit of repeating 
Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times I've said that in the last few months. If you do that, you're making a statement, first of all to God, that you are trusting him. You know he hasn't abandoned you. You know that everything that's happening, everything is is done in love. You know that whatever is going on It's still for your advantage. God is going to help you to grow like Jesus. It's good. might seem good, but it will be turned for good by God. So make that statement, first of all, to show God that you trust him. Secondly, to remind yourself, because we do need reminding. Satan so easily comes to tempt us that it's all helpless and hopeless and doom, disaster, devastation, nothing's ever going to come right. Remind yourself. But when you make that statement, you are also speaking to Satan. It's very powerful. You are telling him you are not in control. God is. I mightn't like what's happening at the moment. I mightn't see the way forward. But Jesus is the good shepherd and what is happening to me, still he loves me. Everything that he does for me is done in love, so go away. You, that, that these are powerful statements to make in the spiritual world as well as just to ourselves. But the other thing about this Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and we know that. As Christians who have given our heart to the Lord, we know that. Anybody asks us, we will tell us. Jesus died for us and because of his death to take all of our sin, all of our disgrace, all of our blame, all of our guilt, all of our shame, that's all gone and we now have a place with God, we're in relationship with him. Look, we can tell all of that, we know all of that and we can say it. And yet how often do we fall into, oh, God can't forgive me for that, that was such a terrible thing to do, I can't forgive myself, God can't forgive me. We are tempted to forget that whatever happens, we are forgiven and accepted by God because of Jesus' love. We bear guilt. We blame ourselves. We can't imagine that God goes on loving us. So when we recognise that Jesus is good, accept that. We had a speaker years ago, it must be getting on for about 17 or 18 years ago, and he came one Sunday night to speak to young people. And he began his message by saying, you've got one job to do tomorrow, one job and one only. And everybody looked at him expectantly, waiting to see what the job was. And he said, your job tomorrow and every other day is to be loved by God. To accept that God loves you. Your job is to be loved by God. And it's true. We think if we're going to define our job, our job is to serve God. Our job is to do good deeds. Our job is to run around and help other people. They're all secondary. Our first job is to love God, sorry, to be loved by God. If we are truly loved by God, he loves us. It's if we truly accept that love, all the rest will follow. 
That will be our response. But where things go wrong is that somehow we put this ceiling above us and think that God can't get down through that ceiling of whatever we've done, whatever's happened to us. So it's recognise that Jesus is the good shepherd and accept his love. And the last point, when Andy um, asked me, or he asked somebody to preach today because he's away and um, I put up my hand because I was free today and when I looked at the topic I thought, good gracious, what more can we say about the good shepherd? We've been hearing about the good shepherd since childhood. What more could we possibly say? A verse sprang out at me that I'd not actually taken notice of before I've read it but not taken notice of it. Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Recognise that Jesus has full authority. He said after his resurrection, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So first of all, recognise nothing is too hard for Jesus. But secondly, recognise When he made that statement about authority, power and authority, it's not just that he's got the power and authority, he's delegated it to us. He wants us to use the same power and authority that raised him from the dead. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. Go and make disciples, go and do this, go and do this. We do it in the power and authority that Jesus has given us. We don't do it in our own name. We do it in the name of Jesus. Now, coming back to what I said about people who are afflicted by demons, whether it's yourself and somebody else, demons must recognise the authority of Jesus. They have to. There's no other way. They will accept the authority of Jesus. So if you have or you know anyone else who has been afflicted by a demon because of a pattern of sin, because of a pattern of unforgiveness, because of a pattern of pornography, because of a pattern of hatred, of anger, of whatever it might be, renounce that, repent of it, turn to God, then tell the demon to go. Sometimes if you tell a demon to go in the name of an authority of of God, it will. Sometimes people are afflicted by night. If you ever wake up at night and you feel like this crushing burden on you, that may well be a, a demonic affliction and tell it to go in Jesus' name. But if a demon has taken root in someone's life because they've invited it in through their pattern of behaviour, Cease the pattern of behaviour, that's the first thing. Then the demon has no legal right of entry and it may have already left anyhow and you can tell it to go in the power and authority of Jesus. If someone has been abused and a demon has afflicted them as a result of that, lift off from them the trauma of that abuse. 
Get them to forgive the person who abused them. That's the person's role, to forgive the one who abused them. And then you lift off from them, in Jesus' name, all the trauma of that abuse and then tell any demonic, uh, any demon remaining to go. Jesus recognise that Jesus has all power and authority but he's delegated that to us to use in his name. So may you come to know more and more Jesus as the good shepherd no matter how long we've known him in our lives, no matter how long we've been his sheep, we can still understand more about him We can learn to trust him more. We can learn more about his power and authority in our lives. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son to be the good shepherd. And we recognise that everything that Jesus does for us is done in love because he's the good shepherd who loves us. Father, we ask that you'll forgive us for those times when we like sheep have gone astray. And Father, you'll remind us through your Holy Spirit of what those times are that we need to repent, where we need to stop going our own way and instead turn back to you because your way is best. Father, remind us that we need to recognise the voice of Jesus in our life and having recognised it, we need to follow and obey. And Father, we ask that as we meet other people in our community, at work, at home, wherever we go, we ask that we might take with us the knowledge of the Good Shepherd, that we can invite other people to know Jesus also as their Good Shepherd and extend the Kingdom of God. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our